Shooters Connection offers products for competition shooters by competition shooters. With over 80 years of combined competition shooting experience, Shooters Connection is staffed by master and grandmaster shooters who live the shooting sports every day. Every day. We offer same-day shipping. Shooters Connection also sponsors over 100 of your matches every single year. So when it comes to finding everything you need to compete as a beginner or a seasoned grandmaster, Shooters Connection is the only name you need to know. Online at ShootersConnectionStore.com. Welcome to the Hit Factor. I'm Jeremy. He's Jeff. Or if you're friends of Potato, I'm Jeff. He's Jeremy. Uh, and you're going to get us confused at the... Just for the whole whole nationals, we are fresh off shooting nationals, both Jeff and I. The Iron Sight nationals, oh, I mean handgun nationals, really limited optics nationals is what it turned into. Uh, so we've got all sorts of all sorts of stuff to talk about about that, uh, and from the trip to the match and the stages, which everybody's been talking about stages, I'm sure to winners that we've had some surprising winners some not surprising winners and just our trip experience in general uh you'll notice also if you're watching on video uh jeff has made himself quite comfortable and he got this new little futon and so he is lounging from far away and we get to you get to look at his feet if that's something that the, if that's something that is anything for you, then you can see his feet, uh, which is kind of strange to me. But yeah, this wasn't uh, planned out. We just like I came in here and undid some stuff and stepped back here, so it's not a great setup, and I can't read comments or, <laughs> or anything because <laughs> the computer's across the room. Um, but you know, we might work with it. I mean, this could be cool. I'm glad y'all can't see the rest of this room because it is trashed. But I mean, it's kind of cool. Got the couch. Got the got my awards. I mean, it could be fun. So we'll we'll roll with it. See if it this develops into like a a warmer feel, you know? Yeah, a more relaxed, relaxed feel. I mean, like the viewers, the viewers are excited because they can see much less of your face. Uh, so, so they don't have to see your tiny little chin as you, as, as yeah. Thea likes to say, um, as you have lost some facial hair recently and, and she likes to make fun of your tiny little chin. So that's, that's good for them. Yeah. So we, we are back from nationals. We drove. I, I was when I first looked up this match, I thought it was a 14-hour drive. And it's like, okay, we can do that all day Thursday. We'll leave we'll leave kind of early, but even then we can still get there in time to see see our stages for the next day and and we'll be fine. Well, kind of find out is an 18-hour drive and not so fine to do all in one day afterwards. So we got to drive a long ways. Uh our buddy Brett Thomas rode with us, uh, and we had great discussion on the way out there. Some theological discussions were were fun to have, uh, that are always fun and entertaining to have. At least entertaining, I'm sure. Um, and we got there, and the day we got there, the weather was great. Things were looking good, and we kind of got our first look at stages. And Jeff, what did you think 
just when you first saw the stages? Um, so I would say first look at the stages was these looked incredibly difficult. And I mean, it was pretty, pretty apparent just from the walkthrough that the hit factors were going to be pretty low on most of the stages. Lots of yeah, moving to a position, setting up, taking your time, taking really difficult shots. Um, yeah, so a lot of that. And yeah, so, so first impression is this is incredibly difficult. Hit factors are going to be low. And then that kind of evolved into feeling uh, like this was too difficult. There should be, this should be different. So, I mean, it, there was some like negativity that formed in my head, like right off the bat, as far as the match goes, honestly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, when we, when we first walked the stages and Nils and Bob, they got to the house later. They didn't get to walk stages that day. I mean, I, I told, I told Nils said, this is, this is the most difficult match I've ever seen. Uh, like I've, it's, uh, I've never, I've never shot or seen a match that was more difficult than this one. And his his initial response is like, well, yeah, but we kind of we kind of always say that whenever we walk stages, we're like, oh, this is really hard match. It looks really tough. And then when we shoot it, it's like, oh, that maybe that wasn't quite so bad. It wasn't wasn't terrible. Is a a very fair assessment, a very fair comment. Yes. Um, what I will say is that. After shooting it, I feel like I didn't think it was hard enough whenever I walked the stages. I think it was actually harder uh, than what I initially thought having walked the stages. So the the amount of partials that they have were somewhat ridiculous. Uh, like their use of the vertical half targets, I think is, I mean, I think that's a bogus target anyway. Anything outside like five yards, that's a pretty bogus target. Um but just the the overwhelming use of partial targets, but then all mini poppers, the range doesn't own a, a big popper. So all mini poppers, but then let's push those out to 25 and 30 yards. Uh, lots of those at distance um, and just lots of distance on, on all the paper targets uh, was just uh, incredibly difficult. The standard stage, our first stage of the match was a standard stage. And they set up a standard stage that was impossible for absolutely everyone. Nobody got close. Nobody even got all, all 12 hits or all the, all 24 hits on paper. Um, yeah. So like it was four second, four second time on uh, yeah. standards. So that's like four yeah, so seconds you, with a reload in each string. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're talking the, the first string was at 17 yards. It was two, Two on each, so six rounds, reload, two on each, another six rounds, freestyle. And you had four seconds to do that. So it was a visual start. It was a turning target. So let's say at best you get a, a one-second draw. You're down to three seconds. And then you're, let's say you get a, a 1.3 reload. Like that's, that's just hitting everything absolutely perfectly. That does not leave you with a whole lot of time to shoot a whole lot of points. And I came out of that. I shot 61 points 
out of a put, I mean, 69 points, I'm sorry, 69 points out of a potential 120. And I felt great about it. Yeah. Which <laughs> like I was a really solid run. Yeah, it was, it was solid, especially for first day, first stage of the match. Uh, certainly a lot of nerves there. Could I have added 10 more points fairly easily? Probably, but, but a 69 was super solid. Um, Jeff walked out of there with, what did you have, like a 39? No, 53. Oh, a 53. Somebody else on our squad had like a 39. With a 53, sorry, I, I was not trying to pick on you. But but Jeff Jeff walked out of there with a 53, and it's like, well, he, he was down 20 points, basically, to start, just to start the match. And... Yeah. I don't know. It was that was just a bit absurd. It showed a it showed a fair amount of like whoever set that up kind of demonstrated they just don't understand they don't understand math, they don't understand our sport, they don't understand the shooting and or anything like that. I'll be honest, like walking out first stage of nationals being one of the first shooters, because they lined up four shooters and uh, I was one of those four. And then like I should have approached it different, differently, but I mean that was brutal to be for that to be the first one, a stage where I didn't think it would be brutal, but thinking back, like to walk up and place like really good shots quickly and then nail a perfect load, like right off the bat. Um, that was tough. That was really tough. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just... It, the the four-second part-time didn't leave you time to actually do or execute anything. Um, Which I and that was just kind of how... Time. That's what I should have done. I should yeah. not have even thought about that load. Uh, it being the first stage. Like, normally a first stage, I'll, I'll kind of ease back a little bit. And like, okay, let's let's establish what shooting is on this first stage and kind of get calibrated. Mm-hmm. And I kind of skipped that on this stage. I was just like, all right, it's time to grip and rip. Let's go. And dude, yeah, it was bad. I think I shot like three alpha and like seven or nine deltas or something like that. Like it was, it was wild and ugly. Yeah. Yeah, and Jeff didn't honestly. Jeff didn't shoot it bad. Like it just ended up with with more deltas than alphas. Uh, and in those time constraints, it's forty degrees in the morning. It's freezing cold, and first stage of the match. Like it's kind of tough to control the gun at that standpoint. Um, but that was the start of our match. We were off and running, and so we'll we'll just talk about stages overall before we get into our matches and stuff. I think that'll be good. So my my opinion on the, on the stages overall, there were some that were just the extreme level of difficulty were were was just way too high. Uh I there were people if you if you go through practice score and just look at the miss totals for people, like you're talking 40, 50, 60 mics for the match. I mean, like they're averaging three mics per stage, and one of those—that's—that's that's actually more than that because that doesn't include the non-penalty mics for the standard stage. And I'm assuming most people 
didn't have mics on the build drill stage. So you're talking 60 plus mics for 19 stages. That's over three mics per stage. That's, that's insane. Um, yeah. Like the absolute bloodbath. When it comes yeah. To mics. And it really shifted the, the match from like, okay, this is a speed and points match. It shifted from that to, okay, this is a speed and a pass-fail match. This is mm-hmm. a speed and can you hit the targets match now. So it, it really shifted what the match was, I felt like. Uh, and majority of the stages were that. I think probably, like, what, 15 or 16 of them or something like that. Like very Yeah. Difficult. Yep. And then there was, like, four maybe six, four or six, like, shorter, fast ones. And then of those shorter, fast ones, there was about two that uh, were actually, like, decent stages where there could be some separation. And then the other four were just uh, just fast little stages where, like, everybody's going to be right around the same time and same points. Yeah, and even those even those short stages, the disaster factor was pretty high. Like they still had, even the short fast stages still had partials, like no shoot mm-hmm. partials at past ten yards on on most of those. There was only like two or three that didn't have that. Uh, so the disaster was still pretty high. Um, so yeah, I, Jeff Jeff used the like the pass fail analogy. It, it became real evident that honestly your time was irrelevant. Like how, how fast you shot was irrelevant. Everybody was shooting the same time on the stages. And then if you were slower, usually it's because you had misses or pickups on steel. But like, as far like there was, there was no real separation on the time because whenever the targets are this hard, everybody has to sit there and aim and wait on them to aim. So there was like, there was a particular stage that it is maybe I think it's the most boring stage I've ever shot in my life. It was 24 rounds. You went to three positions and you shot the, it was all the targets were stacked targets. So an open on the bottom and a partial on top. And you shot that, you shot that exact same target position. Uh, how many rounds was it Four, 24 rounds. And it was that exact same target presentation, almost the same distance for the whole stage. You went to one position, you shot eight rounds, one more position, eight rounds. The next position, eight rounds, and it was it was it was the lamest thing I've ever seen. And then you finished, and you started looking at times on that stage, and everybody ran the exact same time. Like the time was almost all the same. And then it was just a matter: did you clip a no shoot or did you have a miss? And that was that was basically the the differentiation there. Uh, and that was really kind of how a massive part of the match was. Yeah, and that wasn't a fast stage, which was the kind of the made the thing that made it really dumb was that it was twenty four round, like twenty. I think it, like pretty much everybody ran it in like twenty one to twenty two seconds. Yep. Uh, and yeah, everybody ran the same plan. Yeah, it was it was just uh, like Jeremy said, it was that was a pretty boring stage. Unbelievably boring, uh, just terrible. I, mean, I can't. I can understand why a local match might set something up like that. Just like really ease of setup and and 
you know, you don't have to think of like, I can understand that, but literally they had all these walls set out and all everything. It was just, it was a mirror stage. All they had to do is set up three boxes and set up the two, like two target arrays and just say, engage it from each box. And it would have been the exact same stage with no setup. Uh, so it was, it was literally just a box to box stage with, they put a whole lot more work into building it. Um, I have, I've never been to a match where there were so many planned standing loads for single stack and even low cap guns. Like, like there were, it was just, it was, it was somewhat unbelievable to me that you would get to the end of a stage and you'd sit and look up and there's, there's 12 rounds required. There's 15 rounds required. There's 16 rounds required. And yeah. Could you pick some esoteric place like, 10 yards further back and create a new position 10 yards further away and engage some steel so that you wouldn't have that standing load at the front. Yes. Like you technically could do that, but only, only a dumb person would do that. So I just, the, the stages as a whole were, I just thought really poorly thought out. Uh, Somebody was talking to Jake before the match and said, man, there's a lot of partials out here. And he just pointed to a sign that said, that said nationals said, well, this is nationals going to get used to it. This is what it's supposed to be. And I'm sorry, but whoever set this up should never be allowed to set up a match again. Um, Certainly never should be allowed to set up a nationals because it was absurd. And anybody with any experience could have looked at the stages ahead of time and known that they were absurd. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what else to say about the stages other than that, that this, they were kind of over the top. Um, and it, it really just tested one skill set pretty much throughout the match, uh, was, was, there just wasn't a lot of different, different skills being tested. So that's, that was, that's a big bummer. Um, I, I did not see a single person that was having fun at that match. I know it's nationals. Like we not necessarily building stuff for the fun of the competitor at that necessarily, but at some point that should be part of a part of the equation a little bit. Our sport's supposed to be fun. They're supposed to be enjoyable. Um, I mean, if you're uh, testing a lot of skills, it is going to be fun. It is going to be interesting. Yeah, I agree. Uh, So, yeah, there just, there wasn't a whole lot of different skills tested. There was a lot of hard shooting, like a lot of long, difficult shots. And there was some really hard leans in shooting. It was a really awkward positional shooting mm-hmm. that you had to do. Um, that was tested just over and over and over and over. Uh, I remember one target that I shot on the move, maybe two. Uh, there was there was really no opportunity for that. Not much anyway at all. It was mildly close. It was usually partialed pretty hard. Uh, there was I can think of one target that that I shot that was open, and I shot it while I was taking a couple steps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and other than that, those those short ones. And then you know if it wasn't a super hard lean, super hard shot, uh, it was the really short, fast ones. Which I mean that's just pretty much as fast as you can pull a trigger and move your feet. Um, and that was about it there. Yeah. yeah. So we're not not terribly interesting. There wasn't there wasn't a ton of opportunity on those to to make anything happen. 
There was there was one where you could try to like pick up some some mini poppers at like ten ish yards while you were moving in, and I tried to do that and screwed myself pretty bad. <laughs> uh, you know that was my fault. That wasn't anything else other than my fault, but. Yeah. Yeah. Um so those are the stages like that's that's kind of what our experience was, what my experience was with the stages. Uh mm-hmm. So I I don't know what else to say about that other than, other than hopefully that won't be set up like that again in the future. Um they they literally could have not had a single partial target in the whole match. They could have removed all the partials. And it still would have been a very challenging match. With with just all open targets, the distances that they had it at, they could have had all open targets, no partials, and it still would have been a very challenging match, and actually probably would have been in a, a much more appropriate match for people. It would have been more interesting because there would have been some more opportunities to try and blend some positions here and there, shoot some stuff on the move, take some risks. Uh, yeah, I would I would even say like take the partials out of that match, and it gets. 25% more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that that alone, like, they could have kept all the same stages. And I wouldn't have loved it. But take the partials out, and now it's a fairly interesting match. Yeah, so take the partials out and take out the stack targets. Those are the two things I would say. Like, all, all the, like there were stack targets everywhere, which is kind of a lazy person's way of just adding rounds to a match right because you don't create any sort of new position you don't create any anything new you just stack targets which just adds rounds um so i would say all open targets and and take get rid of those stack targets which are just i don't know i think they're lame and yeah the match gets the match gets a whole lot cooler a whole lot more interesting yeah so anyway that's the stages let's uh let's talk about uh, the match for you and I. Yeah. So, um, well, well, we'll say it at the front. Jeff finished fourth. Uh, I finished eighth, and I think both of us feel okay about our finishes. I think there's probably a fair level of disappointment that we we could have we were in position to finish better, uh, and we just kind of fumbled it on the on the last day a bit me more than jeff but yeah so that's how we finished um so into day one how how were you feeling about your match into day one uh not great it was it was a rough i felt like it was pretty rough first day rough starting out with the standards and basically being 20 points behind right off the bat um and then it seemed like I had. Then the very next stage was not great. The next stage was decent, and but it was never. I never really got into a rhythm. It's usually like, if I can get into where like I have two decent stages in a row, then I kind of build this momentum, mm-hmm. and I can kind of push harder and harder and harder as I build momentum, and that's when I can shoot a really good match. But day one, that wasn't happening. That did not happen day one. It was just kind of like. Oh yeah, that was good. Oh, that was not great. Oh, that was good. That was not great. Uh, which was really just the nature of the match. It was just extremely difficult. But uh, yeah, that was mine. How were 
Because you shot pretty good standards to start off. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we had Seeklander's score to look at. We saw what he shot. You shot really close to him. I think he shot a 71. You shot a 69. Yeah. Um, so you had to be feeling decent coming off the first stage. Yeah, coming off standards, I was super happy with the with the sixty nine. Um, like that, I didn't I didn't feel bad about that at all. It, it could have gone a whole lot worse. I I absolutely smashed every all three loads, which was that was to me that was that was where I knew I could donate a whole lot of points because if you if you've bobbled the load at all, you had no time to fix it. Like you weren't going to get any rounds off if you bobbled the load, and so the fact that I hit all of those, I, I knew like okay. Uh, yeah, I could have, I could have got some better points. Um, cause I shot some mics. Like I, I was rushing hard enough that I had some looking at the amount of shots that I fired and the amount of misses I had I actually shot a couple of mics, but you know, took it. I was, I was okay with it. Um, oh, we got potato joining us here. Potatoes coming back on sweet. Uh, so, so I, we then went into a, I can't remember. Yeah, it was stage. Our next stage had a bobber. Uh, I was real happy with my stage plan. I shot. I shot it well. Um, I shot. So that was that was the one mover in the match that I shot a target in between the activator and the mover. After that, I just simply all the all the activators were minis, and the and the movers were moving pretty darn quickly after it, such that I didn't feel it was worth it to. Uh, to try to squeeze stuff in. And so I shot, shot the, the activator and I was afraid I missed it. And so I kind of paused and hesitated, like looking and I see, it, Oh, it's going down. So then I went and shot the target in between it and went to the bobber, uh, ended up firing three rounds at the bobber and thought I felt pretty good about it and shot the rest of the stage. It was fine and come back and there's, there's a miss there. Uh, so that kind of hurt. It kind of, start of the match again kind of puts you at a i was feeling about like jeff was at that point because yeah he was about 17 20 points down after the uh the standards and then i'm coming in and second stage i have have a mic on a fairly easy easy moving target and yeah same put you at the same kind of 15 to 17 points down there so yeah and that was on it the uh the activators the whole the whole match activators were minis. Mm -hmm. right? The cables were pretty tight, like they weren't sitting on the ground. They were very tight, and they were the super light gauge cable, so they were very quick to activate. Mm -hmm. There usually was no time to do. There, there was like one, maybe one or two opportunities to make something happen, but for the most part, it was you were going to hit the mini and then go to the mover. Yeah, for for me, the hit factors were so low that it just wasn't like trying to squeeze a little bit of time by going to a a target in between the activator just just didn't seem worth it to me uh yeah. because the, hit, the the hit factors being so low so i was i was perfectly fine just just going straight to the to the moving targets and getting solid hits um then our our very next stage was another kind of short course and this one basically gave us the option of you could you could shoot at eight and eight and you would have one extra round and you would, you would activate a clamshell 
from one side that you couldn't shoot it from. If you went to eight, you, you shot two steel that activated a clamshell and you went to the other side and you had to shoot basically 15 or 16 yard headshots is, is what that left you. So yeah. mm-hmm. pretty risky, <laughs> pretty risky to do that. Your other option was to shoot seven on one side, go to the other side and go to nine and risk a standing load if you have a miss on the if you have a miss on the activator steel or if you have any sort of makeup shot and so it was risky either way uh i kind of i was i was up and up and back in my my in my head of what of what i wanted to do and literally the shooter before i went i just i changed my mind and decided look i'm going to nine i need to go to nine i need to make that happen i need to do it and so went to nine and pulled it off had a had a solid stage and actually felt that was a, to me, that was, that was a confidence booster for me for, for that day is that, Hey, like you went to nine, you, you shot well. Cause the other, it was, it was a, an array of nine. It's not like the other shots were easy. (laughs) You were, you were still shooting. I'm pretty sure you had a a zebra on the inside. If I'm remembering that correctly. Um, So still really challenging shooting. And so to, to do all that and go to nine, that was, that was somewhat a confidence booster for me. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm actually surprised that Jeff is saying he was as disappointed as he was with day one because Jeff actually shot well. Uh, he didn't he didn't lose a lot of ground day one. Um, uh, it was never the stages never gave the opportunity to feel like you're shooting well. There was never like that was almost just never in it. Like there was never like oh yeah I crushed that stage. You were never gonna feel that way, pretty much about anything. Um, so yeah, Jeff was shooting really well. We got to our last stage of the day, which is the really boring one with all the stack targets that I mentioned earlier. And I, that was an interesting stage for me. Not, not in any way because the stage was interesting. The stage was absolutely terrible. Um, but that was the first stage. That was the first stage of the match where I got a little bit results based in my thinking. And it was, it was not that I'm worrying about speed or time. It, it was, I'm I'm going to do everything I can to hone in and shoot A's on all these targets. And I was really just trying to focus on on shooting A's and I was actually aiming really hard. Um I ended up I I clipped one no shoot and then I threw a mic over the top of another one and still had a few deltas on it. Like it was still still kind of ugly from that standpoint. <laughs> the the fascinating thing is that by me thinking about trying to shoot a lot of A's, it induced the same error as if whenever I think about I'm going to try to be fast. The error was the same, uh, even though it was I was going to the, op- the complete opposite spectrum. And so that was a really good reminder for me that, hey, uh, don't get results-based in any way. Uh, stay stay on on my process of what what I had been doing in practice, what I had been doing leading up to it and stay with that basically being grip the gun really hard and stay in contact with the trigger. Don't be slapping the trigger a whole bunch. Um, so that, that ended day one that ended me and like that hurt me really bad. That was those, those 25 to 30 match points that hurt. Uh, Jeff was actually up, I think 28, some odd match points after day one. And so that was kind of the, that was the difference maker there between just the two of us. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't s- super dejected cause like 
the state the day could have gone worse every stage you're looking at if you had a miss you're like well that sucks but that's understandable yeah that, so it's kind of the nature of the match being with the difficulty and everything the point swings you had a potential for large point swings mm-hmm. uh, rather than you know pick up a couple points here a couple points there it was really a lot more potential for those 15 20 25 point swings yeah um and so that was that was the end of our day ones we with that we shot in the morning it was pretty pretty cold that morning that wasn't a whole lot of fun because you're trying to shoot really difficult targets and you can barely you can barely feel your hands i mean you can feel your hands but they're just not functioning at at peak what you want whenever it's 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 that cold um and then the next day, so we kind of, we get the long break at that point, which the long break is, was much needed and was really nice. And we go into day two with probably the hardest stage of the match as our second stage. So we knew that was looming in and there were a few other difficult stages on, on that section three area, but it was also the most points of the match. That was 164 rounds. Uh, whereas the, Oh, what we shot the day one was 130 rounds and our last day was only 110 rounds roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, so day two, uh, Jeff went day first on day one. So day two, yeah, we're coming out. We get to do a little bit of a warm up, which was nice. Uh, for me, it was just four magazines, uh, just kind of shooting at, at some steel, but it was actually really good. Uh, that, that seemed to be pretty effective, uh, just in kind of sure. just nice to have just to, you know, you don't go to the golf course and I mean, you can go to the golf course and not go to the driving range, but if you want to play well, you will go and, you know, hit some balls on the driving range and that sort of stuff. So it was nice to be able to do that at this match. Um, but yeah, day two, day two, honestly, day two went, went pretty well. Uh, shot well. I didn't have, I didn't have any penalties day two, uh, which was, which was great. Um, shot fairly well. There were a couple things that, couple things that kind of cost some time and, and slowed some things down a little bit, but for the most part, uh, was, was hanging out good stages. Um, I made up ground on Jeff, which was due mostly to one target for him, but we ended up, we ended up that day being less than a point apart at, for the match total. Um, so day two was, was good for me. I was, I was feeling good. The, the really difficult stage of the match. Um, I shot that well enough. Uh, definitely left some time out there with misses on 20 yard mini poppers, but yeah, made it, I survived it type deal, uh, survived it and had a, had a decent run on it. No penalties, which was good. This, yeah. this match, I've never had so many planned extra shots on static targets. I don't know how many I had through the match, but there I had tons of targets where I was planning on shooting three at. It was like I'm just shooting three no matter what. I'm not even gonna not even gonna plan just two. I'm gonna not gonna give myself the option of only shooting two. I'm shooting three because they were just so far that a tiny little error that you may not even can see would would end up with a miss. So yeah, I felt decent about day two. Yeah, so day two for me was probably my best and worst day Uh, because it started out I pretty much crushed I think like the first five stages I think it was five 
uh, like after we had finished shooting, you know, the super squad hadn't shot those stages yet, but after we finished shooting, I was like over 97% on the first five stages for that day of mm -hmm. shopping. I think I won three of them, uh, shot really strong. Uh, the bet that was the best stretch of shooting I did the whole match. And then the last two stages that we shot that day, I think. Well, they were the last two stages of the zone, but not the last two you shot. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because we went back around and went yeah. back to the front. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the last two stages in the zone. So it was like tw uh, 19 and 20 or 20 and 21. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, the short one, one of them was a short one and I shot myself into a standing reload and then clipped a no shoot and then in the other one i i planned three shots on somewhere around 20 yard zebra and i put all three into the hard cover um, all three close together very close together but all in the yeah uh, so that kind of negated for me like all the great shooting that i had done or that i did that day it just kind of just kind of leveled me out. Like I could have made some really great ground on that day. And those two stages just, they kind of bombed it for me. So I did my best shooting and worst shooting on day two. And that stage that Jeremy was talking about, stage 18, that was the most difficult stage. Um, there was like this huge mental buildup to, to shooting that. And, you know, we both had like three or four contingency plans on that stage. I was like, okay, I'm in this position. If I have to shoot to to empty, hitting these two steel, then I'm going to pick them up over here. And if I hit these three when I come in, I'm going to immediately rip a standing load. And then if I if I don't, then uh, then I'll just keep going. But if I get over here and I still have steel left, then I'll shoot them from here and then I'll do an extra load here. So it was just, it was brutal planning that stage. And I went even past my all my contingency plans. I ended up I ended up with a plan that wasn't even in my contingency. Uh, so yeah, no, actually, Jeremy did a really good job of uh, thinking on the fly, which is generally something you don't want to do. No, but if, if you have the ability to do it and you execute by happenstance, then awesome. And uh, Jeremy kind of did that on that and had a good run. Um, we had very close runs on that one. Mm -hmm. uh, we were right there with each other. I think he got me by a little bit. I was like a 4-2. He was a 4-1. It was yeah. it was very, very close. And when we finished that stage, like with no penalties, like just finished it with no penalties. Dude, I was, I felt about the same as when we finished running the race in Nebraska. Yeah. Like I was cloud nine dopamine hit dude when we finished shooting that yeah it was it was brutal so, yeah that one that one was a huge letdown there's huge huge build up to it and a huge letdown after it um yeah. for sure uh yeah. so yeah so we're we finished day two and honestly like i said we're within a point of each other but the super squad at the had only shot one zone of stages at that point they had shot what we shot day one they had shot our zone two so they hadn't shot what we shot that day um 
But you could look at scores. You could see where we're at. We saw where we're at with Seaclander, and we were in we were in really good position to to finish well for the match. Uh, so I was I was not upset with where I was shooting. I was pretty happy with with where we at. Could we have done better? Yes. Literally everybody was saying that at that match. You were gonna you were gonna kinda train wreck something. Um so I was I was fairly happy with where, where I was at. I was talking with Jeff in the car. I think he was fairly happy with where he was at. He's he sounds honestly I'm surprised how disappointed Jeff is sounding in his day one and two. Um because he didn't he didn't sound like this in Ohio. So maybe he was just trying to be positive. Um, but he, no, like he was said, day. I mean, day two, I did my best shooting and my worst shooting, but definitely mood was the highest of all the days. After yeah. Day yeah. And like, to be fair, Jeff saying he did his worst shooting. It was on a 20 yard zebra target that had a very, you were, you shot actually two targets, two open targets. You're actually able to shoot kind of on the move. But it was one of the rare instances in the match. And then you had a very specific spot. You had to stop and hit exactly to shoot like a 20 yard zebra. So did he have misses on that? Yes. That target reached like, dude, I bet I would be surprised if less than 60% of the field had misses and penalties on that target. Like I, our, our squad alone, I shot it clean. I don't think there were I don't think there were two other shooters who shot that target clean on our squad. Um and I know lots of the super squad guys had had penalties on that target. Um so he's saying he he shot bad. Uh it was one target uh that was the that kind of ate his lunch, but um so he he wasn't shooting bad. He was shooting very well. He's in really good position. We were we were both kind of looking back at scores now. It's kind of tough to know at then. We were very much in position to finish in the top three. Um, obviously, both of us probably wouldn't have been able to be in the top three, but both of us were in that position to have been really competitive for the top three. Um, yeah. Maybe had we shot really well day one, day three, maybe. Maybe in the second place. I don't think either of us were in position to to win the match at that point. No. Um, but but top three was definitely very much very much in the mix. Um, so day three is a morning. It's a really quick turnaround for us that we shot the evening on day two. We shoot in the morning uh, the next day, and it's it's cold. It's thirty eight degrees when we get up. We're we're bundled up. I have three long sleeve shirts on, a down jacket and another jacket on, uh, gloves. I have sweatpants underneath my 5'11 pants to keep those warm. You got gloves with hand warmers on. Um, so it was a bit of a production just to try to stay warm enough to be able to function and shoot. Um, and that, that was energy sapping for sure. Yeah. So Cause like, like you said, I heard you describing it to someone else, like, you could have been fairly comfortable without all the clothing and layers and hand warmers. You you really need to be warm. Like you need mm-hmm. to be feeling like you can be aggressive. And so yeah. you need your hands to not be slow, you know? 
Yeah, yep. you, your whole body can be perfectly comfortable, but if your digits don't move freely with the exact speed you want them to, it just doesn't work. Absolutely. Okay. I'm Welcome, in a cold potato. Place, and I wouldn't. I'm in a cold place, and I wouldn't judge anyone for bundling up that much to try and keep their hands warm. Yeah, that's that's the name of the game. Freaking Fitz is out there in shorts. Uh, I guess living in upstate New York or something like that does that to you. But he was out there in shorts. I think even he, I think he was even he was kind of like, yeah, it's a little cold. Like my hands are hands are a little bit cold out here. Um, so okay, day three. How how did you feel about day three? Uh, I mean, day three, I felt probably slightly worse than day one for me uh i think i only shot one penalty maybe i can't even remember um but i think that's right so i think you only had three on the match but yeah it was just it was not great i don't know if it was just being cold or fatigue i don't know i don't know but it took me a long time to get into positions i made a lot of extra shots missed positions just little things that cost me a couple seconds here and there and ended up just being really off the pace on day three yeah that was kind of that was kind of the story for the day it was just off the pace yeah um so when i'm going to talk about day three so i I slept really poorly this this whole like the whole time. I don't think I got more than five hours of sleep. And, you know, this is starting even in the hotel. Uh, I love Brett. Brett was snoring like a freaking freight train that first night in the hotel. <laughs> I woke up at like four o'clock. I needed to go to the bathroom and I I couldn't go back to sleep, so I was just awake at four. We had driven till pretty late that night before. I'm up at four. We're going walk stages, and you know the day before nationals. You can't sleep. You wake up early. Uh, and that was just like, that was just it the whole time. I just never got any sleep. Um, and then you add in the cold and trying to mentally trying to, to figure out the cold and how do we shoot in the cold? Cause even our, the day that we shot in the afternoon, even then it still rained on us, uh, off and on throughout the day. So it was constantly taking jacket on, taking jacket off. Uh, so even that, and, and I think looking back to it, like, time i got to day three yes there were some there were some nerves because i was in a position i hadn't been in a while and that i was i was actually competitive to to have a good match and i anybody that's listened to the podcast knows i've been struggling a lot with my performances in the last two or three years uh so it was good to be competitive um but I I do think the fatigue, just my physical fatigue finally caught up to me. And then the fatigue of the match finally, like, just like, just, I think it just finally kind of caught up to me such that my first stage of day three, um, I ended up with three mics and two of them were on an, like an open target at 17 yards. And I just missed the target. Like it was, there was another target right next to it that I had like an alpha and Charlie hit. And then the target, the next one had no hits. I remember my sights. I actually, I actually remember seeing my sights on that. I have no, I don't know what happened. Um, that was a pretty big, when you're, you know, Jeff and I were one point apart at this point. Uh, 
feeling like, hey, I could have a I could have a good finish here. It's the last day. It's the smallest point total day of the match for us, and I just I just gave up forty five match points, um, just just like that. Um, uh, you know that that was that was tough uh, for me. I I felt like I didn't. I felt like I kept fighting, like I kept trying. I didn't like just give up at that point, but. But it was just a struggle all the rest of the day. It was just it was just a struggle, and you know ended up ended up eighth. Um, again, not playing the woulda coulda shoulda. Last stage of the match went to war with some steel that would have put me over Seaclander. Any any one of those hits on the on the that first stage get one of those hits and I'm up over Henning. Um, you know. Like it could have could have been in a fifth place, a sixth place, very easily. Uh, again, that's the woulda, coulda, shoulda. But mm-hmm. the I do think kind of the fatigue of just trying to trying to shoot perfectly for three days on top of the cold, on top of the lack of sleep, and all that caught up with, to me. And so I've got to be better, got to be mentally stronger, um, and just got to get my fundamentals better going forward. You need mouth tape and uh an eye mask that's what you need i mean i can close just close my eyes and that that seems to work to you know make things dark um you need tren and melatonin <laughs> so m- melatonin i did have i did have melatonin on board um that still sometimes isn't enough for me so mm. You know that's okay. The the would I've loved to finish better than than where I, I did. Yes, uh, but it, it is what it is. What I where I'm coming, what I'm taking away from is I've I've wanted to just simply be competitive again because I have not been competitive. I was competitive yeah. again. Uh, there's now a mental switch that now my training isn't such that I need to be trained to be competitive again. We're, we we're there. Um, I need to train so that I can be competitive at the end of the match when I'm in comp- when I'm in contention and for everything to still go well or shoot even better at that point. Um, I don't know if that changes how I'm training all that much, but there's just a mental switch maybe going into matches, whether it's, it's less of a, man, am I going to embarrass myself at this match or... Yeah. Or no, like we're going to be ready so that last few stages were there to to try and win the match. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, as far as finishing goes, um, I mean, Elias, one single stack, he absolutely crushed this match. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if like this type of shooting is just his forte. Like just the long hard shots, uh, or if he was just like that ready for any match, I really don't know. But he absolutely crushed it. Um, and then Caesar, which I don't know where he's from, uh, foreign guy. He finished second at European Handgun Championship in Classic. He came over and shot, and I had no idea what to expect from him, honestly. And he shot really well, shooting minor. Shot really fast, shot way faster than the rest of us. 
uh, even Elias. I think he put. I think he might have put like 15 seconds on Elias. He was 14. He was 14 seconds faster than Elias. Yeah. He shot the same number of points down. Uh, same number of Charlies and Deltas. He was just 14 seconds faster with six. He had six penalties, six mics. Yeah. So. And he saves our shop if, for anyone yes. who orders Ipsic stuff. Yeah. Yep. He owns that. So he shot really well. Uh, came in second, and then uh, Vlieger came in third, and he shot really well. Which me and me and him were right there. I think he was twenty five points up or something like that on me. So we were right there. We were right there with him. But uh, and then I finished ahead of uh, TGO Rob Latham, which I've never done before. So that was a big accomplishment for myself. I'm very proud of myself for that. <laughs> um, and finished ahead of Sea Cleaner, which I knew I could do. So, I mean, I'm not terribly disappointed with the match. Obviously, I wanted to, I wanted to win, but uh, that just wasn't in the cards on that day or on those days. So, and it, we should we should note the Henning shot a great match. Uh, he ended up in sixth place. Uh, Henning had an approach that he was simply like, he just aimed really hard the whole match. He was not particularly fast. He was, uh, I mean, he was 30 seconds slower than, than Jeff and I, and, but he just shot really, really clean. And at that match, that was a really good strategy. Yeah. Really good. That's not so five deltas to Elias is 21. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, how many times do you yeah. see a, a national champion with 21 deltas? <laughs> so I have a question for you guys that maybe is embedded in all of this. If is not, I know the stages, I've heard many complaints from many people about the stages, so leave that aside for one second and just think about the shot difficulty. If there were routinely matches that demanded this, are these shots that could become reasonable? Uh, No. Like honest, honestly, like the like the difficulty just level. The, just with the way an iron sight actually works, these are just fundamentally unreasonable shots. Well, like yeah, I mean, like a lot of people just their factory guns, like are like their group size is the A zone size, right? So if they hold perfect, or I mean, not the A zone size is the size of brown that they're shooting at, right? So if they hold perfectly in the middle, they can. Like if, and they break the shot perfectly. Yes, they can almost they can guarantee to get hits. But if they're off at all, they could still be aiming. They could still be aiming well enough that they're aiming within the scoring zone, and yet being getting penalized for that. Uh, like like a lot of these mini mini poppers are like people's front sights are wider than the mini poppers that they're shooting at. Right. Um, so. No, I I actually think it was beyond. I think it was. I think it. I think it went beyond um, what what should be expected of of guys shooting, definitely shooting iron sighted guns. Yeah, I mean, I, I was Jeremy and I were talking about it and talking about some of the stages and like if I if I set a lot of these stages up, I'll say at least half of them. If I set those stages up in practice and I shot them five or ten times as slow as I needed to, it would not be clean each time. I, I could not shoot them clean consistently, no matter how hard I tried. 
if I shot. To, as slow which as is to say that there there were shots required that you can't make on demand. For reasons, physical limitations, limitations of the sighting systems, limitations of the the mechanical accuracy of the guns. Yeah, yeah. Those I mean, shots I wouldn't make a hundred percent of the time on demand. No. And it was the, it was the sheer volume of those shots, right? Like it's, it's one thing to have have a few of those one shots. One of those on one stage, right? When it's yeah. it's every single stage to have all of those, like just the the sheer volume of those, um, was was just it was just too much. Um, look, we can pick on Fitz a little bit. Fitz, we shot with Fitz. We got to meet Fitz, uh, which was great. Um, you know, here you've got a guy, I think he's B class, uh, if I remember right. Like he's Jeff and I were talking about him. Look, he's he he was a college athlete. He ran ran track, ran hurdles. So he can move he moves around fine. He gets around from point A to point B fine. He understands the sport fine. Uh like his gun handling skills, I didn't see anything crazy with that. He's he's invested in the sport. And look, he walks away with I'm not picking on him, but he walks away with twenty six mics. Um, like, and honestly, like he shouldn't feel bad about that. Maybe he does, but he shouldn't even feel bad about that. It's just, that was what was, that was going to be the case. If you're, if you were in that BCA class range, like you're going to get your lunch eaten. And a lot of GMs got their lunch eaten at this match. Um, so it was just, yeah, it was just too much, just too much. So this is my my old hobby horse, and now I'm glad you guys can back me up on it, which is optics and iron sights don't ever belong in the same nationals. Right. Because if you look at the top two guys in limited optics who shoot very different styles, between the two of them, they have one penalty. Mm -hmm. So Max shoots, maybe you guys already covered this, but Max shoots one no shoot, Casey shoots clean. Yeah. It's KC shooting clean, right? And that's and they shoot very different styles of but the the tools they have available to them make those shots challenging but reasonable. Mm -hmm. And then you look at in the iron sight divisions and it doesn't look like that. Uh even shooters on that same level. Right. Um, and so I think if you want to have a national match and you want to combine divisions in a national match for, for a lot of reasons we have to, I don't think you can make a national match that's appropriate um, for iron-sighted and optic-sighted guns. Yeah. Uh, and, and I do think optic-sighted guns, not this particular match, but that level of difficulty is appropriate. Yeah, like I, you can certainly ratchet up the level of difficulty for – for the dot guns and at the same time like can we can we cert in some way just be okay that their hit factors are higher like there this match certainly felt like it was a sense of like we are going to we are going to try to make the shooters make mistakes it was it was like they wanted to see penalties they wanted to see errors uh and they wanted to keep those hit factors super low and it, at some point like i feel like they're can we get some yeah we can have some stages that are are like that okay but let's not have a whole match of it let's have a couple of those at nationals let's have some that are that are really fast let's have some that are open targets at 15 to 20 yards such that look you can rail on those targets if you want you're going to give up points you may give up penalties 
but but it's that it is that how many points can I get in as fast as possible type thing when you actually let hit factor be the determining point and not just penalties uh whether it's misses on mini poppers at distance or it's actual shot penalties um let's let people use their skills uh in a way to to try to figure out how they want to win the match and i just feel like that wasn't that wasn't really the case for this match yeah and it, i mean like we said they were just testing the same thing over and over again like uh you know if they wanted to make a whole match of low hit factor stages they found one way to do it and they did it for the whole match right yep um, yeah there's a lot of ways to depress hit factor yeah that there's multiple ways to depress hit factor and whoever d designed this match doesn't know that <laughs> they did not demonstrate that at this match with 21 stages to uh to choose from they didn't really demonstrate that too well here yeah all right, let's go into really quick. We're running long here. Let's go into predictions and results for the match. Uh, Revolver, Jeff, do you still have those? We all picked. We all we all picked Poji, and Poji won. Okay, we got the correct the correct winner for Revolver. Did we go past? We went to two, and I was wrong, and you said McGinty, and so you were right. Oh, there we go. Um, so, uh, Poji's a or friend of mine. somebody said McGinty. It might not have been you. I can't remember if I said McGinty or Wolf. I, I might have said I Wolf. I think you said Wolf, honestly. Um, what are we he, Revolver? We're looking at Revolver, yeah. Uh, I know now that, that Rich had not been training at all uh, coming up to this match. So, this wasn't really his his match. And honestly, like this wasn't a, a match that, that suited Poji all that well. He, he's... He wins because he's faster than the other guys. Like he just he's just faster than them. Uh, if Josh Lentz had been here, it would have been very interesting because Josh Lentz is, was uh, he doesn't he doesn't compete. I don't think any, at all anymore. But he was a guy that at fifty yards he'd have bullets touching. He was super super accurate. Um, so it would have been interesting had he been here. Um, watching the revolver scores is really fascinating because Poji has done this in the past, and I kind of. I kind of expected him to do this is the first couple of days he's, he's just hanging around the lead. Like is, you're kind of looking, I think, I think McGinty was up uh, maybe 20 points after day one. Um, and then they were kind of tied after day two. And I said, I told Jeff, I said, watch him the first two stages. Poji's going to crush it tomorrow and he's going to, he's going to put a gap on him and then he'll finish with a big gap on him. And sure enough, Poji came out day, day three and he just, he won like the first three or four stages and ended up with a, over a 5%, over a 5% lead there at the end. And Poji's one of the few guys in our sport that he can kind of ratchet up and ratchet down his shooting based on what he needs to do. Um, I very much want to see Poji shoot something besides revolver because a lot of people want to give Poji crap. Like, well, let's see what you can do with, with a, in production. I bet you can't even finish within 80% in production. Well, he's finishing at 80% of the production winner or higher with a revolver. Like he's already doing that with a revolver. Give him 10 rounds and an easier trigger. I'm going to guess that he's going to do quite well. Yeah, probably. 
So yeah, we all picked. Pokemon. Yeah, he he ended up winning eleven of twenty-one stages. That, yeah, that helps a lot. Yep. Um. So next, uh, let's do. What do you want to do next? Uh, yeah. So, just, uh, sorry, I was looking. Uh, so, in the overalls, he was sixteen percent, seventy percent. Yeah. Yeah, but he was sixteen percent behind Nils in the overalls, right? So, yeah, you're wow. you're talking roughly probably eighteen percent. Like he shot eighty-two percent of Nils, um, at the same match. Uh, a couple extra rounds of the gun makes a big difference there. So. Just put that out there. Um, yeah, what'd you say was next, Jeff? I'm sorry. Uh, singles. Just go single stack. That's the next one up. All right, single stack. So the top three ended up, we've already said it, but Elias, uh, mm -hmm. Cernagaj, and Vlieger. Yeah. So we all picked Elias, and we all picked Vlieger. That's sure. not correct. That's not true. That is not you true. You picked Jeff Cawthon. You did. You pick. picked Elias for second. That is true. What? You picked yourself to win. <laughs> you oh, picked Elias yeah, yeah. for second, right. and you picked John for third. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. So yeah. Jeremy and I were right, and you were wrong. Exactly. Is the shortest way to say this. Yes, you are correct. Yeah. Tater and I both had the same picks of Elias Vlieger and Jeff. Uh, we just yeah. honestly like Sarnagaj was just a, I didn't know what he was going to do last year. He, he wasn't super competitive at nationals. He was really competitive at EHC. And so just didn't know what to expect out of him. Um, but he shot really well. And Tyler had Vlieger, Elias and Seaclander. Yeah. So Tyler missed. He missed all around. Missed. Missed. Uh, production. Production. Oh, the Jeremy's drama. correct. All of the drama. <laughs> yeah. uh, Nils won. Uh, no. the, here's the thing that happened in production. Okay. Sal was leading after day one, and he was shooting well the first, uh, first part of day two. And, two and a half stages. Yeah. Two and a half stages. And... He got DQ'd uh, on the standard stage. Um, he he cooked a round off in a reload. Um, so Sal was gone, uh, which is a huge disappointment because he was shooting really well. He was beating Nils at the time, and I would have liked to have seen where he finished. But So we ended up, the top three were Nils, JJ, and Brian Giovannini. And yeah. pretty big gap between all three of those. It was just under 5% between Nils and JJ. And then Brian was at 91% of Nils. So pretty big gap between the top three there. None of us had Brian finishing top three. I don't believe. I did say, you are you guys all sleeping on Giovannini? That's in the record. But you also. And I did have JJ, and I did have I did I got first totally wrong. But I did have JJ up there in the running, and we went back and forth on that. And I said, "Now nah, this is his redemption run. He's not there to win it, but he's going to be up at the top." And he was. He passed Chrono. Actually, uh, we talked to JJ. 
and he said he's been he's a big fan podcast with whether he is or not he said he's been listening yeah he said we had the best podcast he loved it uh so that was that was great jeff got really nervous whenever he said he'd been listening to the podcast all i know i could just see jeff starting to sweat i was was a little nervous Uh, (laughs) but yeah yeah. he said he showed up a day early and got all three of his guns equipment checked to make sure that they fit so we're, we're seeing it ladies and gentlemen we're seeing jj take the initiative to correct the things that have been taking him out of matches you love to see it uh the biggest thing i love about what i saw out of jj is um after the match almost any time in the past there was a, at least there was a while there in the past if he didn't win the match there were excuses for why he didn't win always mm. His post after this match was simply to congratulate the other shooters. There was no excuse. There was no nothing. It was just, hey, I, I got beat. Nils shot great. Congratulations, Nils. That, I mean, I'm just roughly saying what I, what I remember. There was no excuses in there. I think that bodes well for JJ in the future. I don't know about yeah, Beretta's working or breaking and all that and dealing with that stuff in the future. But a JJ that's not making excuses for himself is a dangerous JJ. That's right. And we we love to see professional shooters acting professionally. Yes. Ooh, how do we how do we all fare on the prop bet? Oh yeah, let's get into that. I don't have that written down, but Phil Phil sh- Phil shot a good match. Phil had an incredibly impressive build drill. He shot like a what did he shoot there? Like a 173. One? A 173 from Surrender. Like, he should be in the Bill Drill Challenge, uh, apparently. Um, Phil's an incredibly talented guy. He finished seventh place, just behind our boy Tyler Turner. Tyler Turner had a fantastic match. We got to talk about him. Um, Mm -hmm. He shot great. Phil was in seventh at 87.54%. So. Damn. I picked him as 84%. Yeah. You a couple of you guys picked him in the 90s. You picked him 14th at 84. Uh, Jeremy. Yeah, I, well, that's before everybody quit production. Oh. Jeremy picked him 6th at 92. I picked okay. him 7th at 89. And so you're I closest. 9th at 87. Wow. So I would say. Uh, you and Tyler, you and Tyler are, are washed. And I got to say, Tyler made a liar out of me because I picked him as sixth at 90%. And he was 89.98%. Yeah, but he didn't. Like, man, you couldn't have found one more Charlie, dude. Right. <laughs> think, oh. think of me in that moment, and you didn't. Uh, wow. That's a good pick. Yeah, you, yeah, you so nailed that one good. Jeremy picked Tyler for fifth, and I picked him for eighth. So. so oh. Awesome finish. Yeah, if he had, yeah, he was only, he was only like fourteen points away from Casey Reed. So if he had shot one less Mike, then he would have been, he would have made my prediction. That gummy Tyler. In fairness, in fairness to him, he shot two mics on the match. That was a match that once I started seeing videos from it, I'm like, Tyler is going to excel here. Yeah, like when it comes to hitting things, like he is going to hurt people's feelings. Yep. Yeah, he did great. Yeah. Okay, limited. This is a, this. Now we're starting to get into the surprise divisions. 
limited. Uh, oh, our, this is the most exciting winner. This is, for me at least, by oh, far the most absolutely. exciting winner. Absolutely. We probably should have led the whole episode with this. Uh, but Scott Brown, our boy, uh, repping a Hit Factor hat. He was wearing a Hit Factor hat the whole time he was shooting. Uh, so we love that. I need to send him some fresh ones. I should have given, I had some extras with me. I should have given him some there. I didn't think of it. Uh, so, Scott, next time I see you, I'll bring you some, I'll bring you an extra hat, maybe at Ipsic Nationals. A uh, big perk of winning you uh limited nationals uh he he crushed everybody um like we were staying with bob bob crow was in our house uh staying there he said dude he's putting a second on every stage on every shooter on the super squad uh he's just crushing it he won by uh three and a half percent over sourland who had had won a whole bunch of matches and Mm -hmm. like i'm i'm super excited for scott um so that's he's the youngest person to ever win limited. So that's he, he's he took that title from Nils. Nils was twenty, I think, when he won his first one, and Scott's eighteen. So really, really impressive against a really yeah. solid field. Freaking awesome! So what were our top three? Uh, the top three finishers were Scott Brown first, Joey Sauerland second, and John Browning in third. That race for third was really, really close between from John Browning, Shane Coley, Gianni Giordano, and, or sorry, Gianni Giordano and Bob Crow. Uh, they were all in a really tight race the whole time. I think after day one, Bob was in third. Uh, after day two, I think Shane was in third. And then Browning ends up in third mm-hmm. at the end. So they were all super, super close. So Jeremy picked Gianni, Scott, and then Bob. Yep, Gianni had a Gianni had a really rough first day. He was really kind of out day of it. One, day one, I was like, "Oh, there goes my predictions." Yeah, he was he was nuked. I mean, he was he actually ended up shooting really well day three to finish where he did. Uh, but yeah, his day one was really rough. Um, maybe first time on our power rankings. First time he had made it on there. Uh, I don't know. Maybe put it. Maybe got too much expectations for him. I don't know. It's a heavy burden. Yeah, it is. Potato. It is. Potato picked Gianni, Joey, and then Scott. Um, Tyler picked Joey, Gianni, Coley, and I picked Scott, Joey, Browning for the win. Crushed it! Oh my goodness! Woo! Absolutely! Somebody crushed finally it. got something right! Wow! Wow! <laughs> oh, that's a job well done, Jeff. You absolutely crushed it. I was Dude, I was fourth going... place at single stack nationals, first place in limited picks. Yeah, I mean that's more impressive than fourth place. Uh, I was going back and forth between John Browning and Bob Crow for for third, and when I had to, I had to sub. I had to support my boy Bob, and he actually he had a Mike no shoot on his second to last stage. He was yeah. he was there. He was in. He would have been third, and or at least he would have been. I don't know if that would have got him third, but that would have got him really, really, really close. Uh, and that that Mike no shoot pushed him down. That was kind of the nature of the match. Um, yeah. Shane Coley was to me a huge surprise. Like like where he, like. It's not a surprise that Shane Coley would finish in the top five of the Nationals, just that he hasn't shot this well in probably two years. This kind of came out of nowhere for him. And 
I wouldn't necessarily have expected a match like this to be one that he would have really excelled at. But, but he did. So again, good job, Scott. Uh, I know there were lots of people saying lots of things uh, before this in the limited division. And so I was excited that Scott won. He shot really well. So there was so there was really so we watched this limited super squad's very first stage of the match, mm-hmm. and it was actually one of the besides the eighteen that we talked about. It was probably the second most most challenging stage, and these guys, I mean, all of them were getting up there. Just, I mean, the number of extra shots being fired was insane. And Scott gets up there and shoots, and he does Scott things, and uh, he ends up like he he. His, he calls a mic on a target that he's moved past and like he literally like jumps like six feet out of the shooting area to to make up a shot out of it and yeah. ends up dude i thought he was just gonna shoot all the way to the ground yeah like like he did not pull a leg up to like because he was just like falling out and he did not like put a leg underneath him until he was like damn close to the ground he yeah for a long time yeah being 18 is cool <laughs> um but he finished and so like he kind of had that he had a bunch of makeups and his and his time he he got he got back and he immediately his brother had already shot it and his brother was like six or seven seconds faster than he was and scott was like yeah. there was no way he was six seconds faster than me and his dad's like well apparently he was uh which was hilarious because his dad was like oh no i don't want to listen to you complain like get over it <laughs> um but scott went back and and looked at his phone and and tracked on his phone no he was his stage was six seconds faster than what the recorded time was in the uh in the deal so he he went to the ro and said look ro like my time seems suspicious uh, like, like, I don't, none of the times are, are up in this, like this, this seems wrong. And of course they couldn't, obviously they couldn't use the video review, but Scott could, could use that as a, Hey, this seems suspicious. Luckily on that stage, they were using AMG timers that synced with the tablet. And so they were able to go back and look at the, the, the splits in the tablet. And yeah, there's a seven second there's an additional shot seven seconds later that did not make sense with everything. And they actually did not make him reshoot it. They simply took that split off, um, which I thought was appropriate. They were able to to determine the right score based off the timer and they had changed it and adjusted it. Uh, so that was, that was cool. It, it was, it was a, a big, a big plus for using the AMG timer. It was also a big plus for Scott, uh, like paying attention to hey like mm-hmm. this time doesn't seem right let's let's check it out um and sure enough it was it was incorrect so yeah i mean that's that's another a really good case for like when you get up to a stage and people are shooting like pay attention to what the time is that people are shooting at like the pace mm-hmm. and then when you get up to approve your time like make sure that shit looks correct make sure it's not crazy you know before you so, hit approve. Yeah, actually, actually looking at the tablet is something uh, is a new commitment for me in 2024. Before I hit approve, I've always just mashed it. And this last year at nationals, I approved two scores that were erroneous. Um, both of them, they went back and actually corrected. But um, 
once I got the email, I opened up the email and I'm like, oh no, 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 I didn't, I didn't do that. Uh, but I just mash approve, you know, cause I don't want to be the hold up mm-hmm. where it's raining or whatever. And you just want to get it done. Yep. And I think 2024, I'm going to make sure it's correct the first time. It's a lot easier to get it changed before you've approved. Yeah. 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 And it's, to me, it, it's also a huge plus for matches, especially big matches like this. But if there's any way for you to be using the AMG timers or whatever, any of the other, I think there are other timers that will also uh, sync with practice score. Uh, man, that's such a good, a good way to good thing to have. It's great to have as competitors just to be able to go back and look at your stuff and get uh, data to analyze. But then, yeah, for situations like this in the past, you would have, the RO would have, in the past, the RO would have just said, well, I can't look at your video and I have no way to look at this to see if it's wrong. The score stands. And all of a sudden, he's basically eight, seven, eight seconds down on the match. Um, so yeah. that was good to see. The funny thing is he had eight deltas on his first stage of the match uh, on that stage. Scott did. He, had, he shot eight deltas on his very first stage. And he won. he won the match. And he came back and finished. Said, "Look, the deltas were all I had because my gun was shaking so hard. Uh, the, like the gun was just shaking the deltas, and the, the targets were were very far. Like the targets that were very challenging shooting. Um, but it's crazy to me how much that boy can shoot deltas and hang them on the edge of targets, but he keeps them on the targets. Uh, he he has a knack for at least keeping them on the targets. Um, so that's good. Uh, then the last surprise: limited optics." Uh, I don't know if there's a ton to cover here other than Max one. Um, and look, Jeff actually picked Max. He was the only one to pick Max. Jeff was on fire with his picks for this Shoot. for this match. Uh, he's starting to turn into Avance. Jeff had Max, KC, and then he had Hyder. Uh, I can't remember. I don't think Hyder was third. No, I think he was like... No, he was not. Uh, Trace Decker was. Trace Decker was third. Um, because you put him on the hit factor list. He was. So he, he was, got that bounce. Yep. That's what it was. He, it, it, it gives and it takes away. That's right? right. So for Gianni, it took away. For Trace, it was the bounce that he needed. Yeah. Yep. Which I don't know. If and I as he said, he he uh, registered very late for the match and didn't practice for it at all. Okay. So maybe Impressive we match. Did know that he was shooting limited optics? when we? No, we didn't know he was shooting. He okay. registered very late. Okay. Yeah. I feel like we probably would have picked him if we'd have known because he's been yeah. doing really well. Yeah, he has. Yeah, well, I picked Tom Castro, and he finished whatever two percent ahead of Tom Castro. Yeah, he was Castro was fourth. fourth. Oh, nice! That's a good. Uh, that's a good finish for Castro. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, Max Lee Grandis is not just a PCC national champion. He's now a national champion with a handgun. So uh, obviously, a very talented shooter. Well, it's. Uh, and he did it by shooting 92% of points, which, to be clear, nobody in any other division shot 92% of points. No, KC Subio was at 87 in second place for there. Right. The limited winner, I think, was 90 or 91%. Yep. With major. Yeah. Right. I mean, they had a dot. Come on. They had a dot in capacity. That makes a big difference. Uh, oh, oh, absolutely. But I'm just saying it's the only 92% of points in the entire match, too. Right. Know, maybe in singles. Uh, or maybe Henning did, actually. Henning did. Henning was the other 92% of points, but major. Wow. That's impressive. I think they shot the same style. 
Just one yep. had high capacity and it died. Yep. I would I would guess that's probably the case. So so that was nationals. Uh, I hope we don't see another match like that in the future. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, nationals the setup as far as arrangements for next year it is the exact same divisions at the at, uh, just in Alabama. So I'm really I, I think that was a really poor decision on USPS USPSA's part to put limited optics with all the other iron sight divisions. Uh, I'm sure they're just trying to. I'm sure they're just trying to fill the match, but it's going to be tough to fill so matches. It's, it's, it's a bad, yeah, it's a bad idea in so many levels too, because yep. it's also going to cannibalize shooters. Because anyone who's done with their world shoot qualification in an iron sided division, based on their two IPSC nationals that happen five months apart, just won't go. Yep. Doesn't mean that they'll just. So then you won't have the best shooters in the iron sided divisions. And you won't have high participation. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, again, people who are shooting these matches in part for world shoot qualifications, they'll be done in April, depending on how this match went for them. So they don't, they can sit this one out. It's the last one. Yeah. So you'll have a USPSA nationals where the best shooters in the divisions don't need to attend. Yep. And based on how the match is likely to be run, nobody would blame them for not attending. Yeah, nobody wants to pay thousands of dollars to go shoot a match like this. Um, like if, if USPSA is worried about bringing in money, uh, this was a good way to anybody that was new to shooting nationals. It's a good good opportunity to make them not want to come back to shoot nationals because um, it's just a beatdown. Uh, I had I had one last thing that I meant to say, and I don't know if anybody's going to get to this point in the audio, but. Uh, if you were if you've not shot nationals before, you come and shot this, or maybe you have, but you haven't shot a ton. I would not drastically change my practices based on this nationals. I would not, I would not all of a sudden just change. Like I'm going to start shooting uh 50 yard targets in practice all the time. And like 25 yard, no shoots and 30 yard zebras, just so that I, I know that I'll be prepared for the next nationals. I, I don't think we're going to keep seeing matches like this. Uh, I could be wrong, but I don't think that's going to necessarily be the case. So I don't know that I would make a drastic change to how I'm training based on this nationals uh, because it, it was not representative of our sport in any way. In, in my opinion, I do expect nationals to be a, a, a higher level of difficulty than a lot of our sectional matches, but I don't, I felt like this went so far beyond it that it wasn't representative of what USPSA is. And so to me, that's a, that's a bit of a bummer. So that's all I had to say about nationals. Uh, we don't have any Patreon shout-outs. This yeah, episode... Yeah, we do. Oh, we do? Yeah. We got a new We got a new guy with new shout-out. Oh. Do it. Okay. So this is from... Cowboy Friend? <laughs> Screen name, Cowboy Friend. Uh, it says, Can I get a shout-out to congratulate Don Triplett for taking the win at the Vantage... Research 2023 Treasure State Championship and to Scott Meredith, Chris Triplett, Micah Swan, John Headland, Frank Thornton, and the rest of the CDA Spokane crew for rounding out the top 10. Nice. Nice shout out. Um, I had a couple things to say, uh, but first, 
This episode is brought to you by Shooters Connection. Shooters Connection sponsors a ton of matches throughout the country. Um, they got everything you need for the range um, and practice. I ordered my Ipsic Magwell from them. It's a Dawson Ipsic Magwell, but Shooters Connection does carry a lot of Dawson products. So, got that Ipsic Dawson stainless arched mainspring housing uh, to go on my 1911. Uh, to get ready for Ipseg Nationals. So, thank you, Shooters Connection. I ordered that this week, and it'll be here this week. So, helping me out, getting me stuff shipped out quick. And I appreciate them very much. So, use the uh, code in the description to support the podcast, support Shooters Connection. We do very much appreciate them. Um, and then, one other thing I had to say. Actually, two other things. We got two more things. Um, first... Who were our lady national champions? Let's go ahead and shout them out. Uh, Jesse Yusubio won limited optics. Yeah, yeah. Randy Rogers won single stack. Nice. Congrats. Uh, Ashley Robertson. All these, all these ladies have gotten married. Uh, not all of them, but Ashley and Jesse have got married. Ashley, I believe it was Robinson. It was, it was Ashley Rourke shoots for Glock. She won production. Congrats. And I think it was one of the Williams sisters won limited. I can't. I get them confused. Jalise. Jalise won. Jalise, because Justine uh, was shooting limited optics. Yeah. Uh, Jalise, the older, the older of the two, won. The younger. Okay, now I'm confused. But one of the Williams sisters won won the. Uh... <laughs> yeah. So congrats to them, the Lady National Champions. Uh, yes, very much. Final thing, at the awards they did something new. I don't know if they did this at Carry Optics or any of the other nationals, but they were recognizing the top ten percent. Or capped at the top 10 performers in each division which I thought was cool and a good replacement for something like top 16 since 16 is a bit of an irrelevant number now um, so they started recognizing like in single stack it was 60 shooters so they recognized the top six in that division uh, and they called them up to have a, a picture in front of the banner Individually, so I assume that those people are actually going to get an award for that finish, um, and then in all the other divisions they did top ten. So they started at tenth and they worked up to first place, which I liked it. I thought that was actually a really good idea and a nice thing to see from USPSA recognizing the top tier of their divisions. Um, which I feel like we've been kind of crying about for a while. So I was very pleased to see that. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good way to do it. I was, I was glad to see that. And I was glad and surprised that they did something semi-sensible. And Mike has corrected me and Jeremy is also right about Justine is younger. Thank you. I was so I was actually let the record reflects that. You're I, probably googling that right now. I was actually just you, looking that up, and I was I was typing out a private message to you uh, that I was correct that I'm there. Wrong. 
Wait, here. One. Jalice did. Jalice. The, the older of the two. One. Yeah. He's the older one? Yes. Okay. Congrats. Um and then one negative <laughs> to to uh to round it out. There was no signage, guys. Oh, yes. This range and we had to like stop and ask people where it was. Cuz this Or did you pull into the shotgun entrance and just like go by endless shotgun fields where yeah. it's not even clear that there's a right, pistol like, bay would... way down at the end with a couple of like dog like turns? Yeah, like why would you drive down there first and that part of the the range was not even on the map that they put in the in the matchbook. Right. Like they put the range map in the map in the matchbook. But the part where the actual match was wasn't <laughs> on that map. Yeah. And even no sign like USPSA Nationals this way. And then even when you got there you had to go inside the building to see any sort of signage that that was USPSA Nationals. Yeah, there was nothing that, like... That was my impression when we were there, is that the uh, trap, like a weekly trap match, was a bigger deal than the Nationals match down at the end. Yeah, like, all they had to have... Like, they could have just put up target stands with targets on it like USPSA targets that we all recognize with an arrow and we would have we could have all known where to go otherwise you had there was you had no freaking clue where to go there and yeah jeff was jeff was totally right there were no signage like there should be at least some sort of banner USPSA should at least own a big banner uh even if all it says USPSA nationals doesn't have to say any other kind of no other specifications so they can reuse it. It shouldn't be a huge expense. Like, put that up so that people walk through it, walk under it, they drive it, they at least see it when they drive up. Something to make people think, hey, this is a special event. Because otherwise, no, there was nothing there. It wasn't a special event in any way. It's Jeff's right. Not that you are bitter. No. No. I'm not. I mean, like, I would happily, I would happily give that up for better stages, but all of that could be done pretty easily if anybody cared. Like, if anybody at USPSA cared, that would be fixed. I just don't think they care. Yeah. To be fair, some of them got served with papers at this match um, for lawsuits, and we're not getting into all that stuff tonight. But uh, so maybe they have bigger fish to fry. Uh, but I did hear from, from a lawyer in your guys' Discord that basically is as long as you just say, nah, 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 I can't hear you, they you can't be sued. Yeah, that's what Bill said. I'm sure, and I'm sure Bill's pretty much in those exact words. Yeah, they were more colorful gifts. But yes, yep. I've kept you up late enough. I'm sorry. Yep. Uh, potato, have you killed a moose yet? No. Do you still have days? I can't use them, but I do. I have two more days, and I got to go back to work tomorrow. Uh, it's time to be hooky. You need to kill a moose. I want a moose tongue. We need moose in. Uh, I'm not, I've seen moose. I've got video of moose, but I don't know how a dead moose. Why didn't you shoot him? You missed? Uh, I could, no, it was a mother and a calf. They still eat? Yeah, I only have an antlered permit. Look, you can super glue stuff on there. It'll be all right. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've, <laughs> never mind. I'm not going to say anything. Uh, <laughs> I will say I am now probably one of the world's foremost experts on moose poop. 
Uh, I, have, I have scouted more sign in the last four days because I didn't do any preseason scouting than um, almost I can imagine. Man, I excel at finding betting sites that were just recently vacated. <laughs> That's always great. Always great. Fresh steam and poop. <laughs> oh, bummer. I'm disappointed. Um, but thank you guys It'll be for at listening. At least three years before I can try again. No. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. If you have uh, any comments or questions, please let us know. Our next match we'll be at is Ipsic National. So if you'll be there, stop and say hi. We didn't talk about how unapproachable Jeff is. We'll talk about that next time. And uh, we'll work on that in the future to make him be nicer and more approachable. So, And after you're done saying hi to them at Ipsic Nationals, I'm one squad behind them. So come say hi to me. Oh, yes. Uh, and also, I have beef with Joel, your buddy Joel Potato, so we can discuss that in the future, too. Joel Fisher is awesome. And no, he's not. I love Joel Fisher. No, he's not. Even if he thinks you're Jeff. He he's... thinks you're Jeremy. Congratulations, by the way, Jeff or, Jeff or Remy. <laughs> yeah. Joel's not awesome in any way. Uh, he's now my sworn enemy, and I will try to take his shins out anytime I see him in the future. He's, he's such a lovely human being. Even no, he's not. Jeff's and Jeremy's he's, he's apart. Like, ugly and hideous. Like the, the one unforgivable sin for Jeremy. I can't. Mistake him for me. I can't imagine much. I can't wait I, to, to be, be in Volusia and introduce you as Jeff Cawson from the Hit Factor podcast. Oh, geez. I will pull your beard hairs out. I'm just going to reach up and yank them. They're coming out. All right. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you later.